My name is Elke Dürr and I was born in northern Bavaria in Eichelberg, a town of 180 people. And now I divide my time between New Mexico and Montana. My work is to reconnect humans to the natural world and the animals in a non-invasive, um, reciprocal way. Filmmaker, photographer, storyteller and educator. I grew up on an organic farm in Germany um, with four generations in the same house and we stayed organic because we didn't have the money for all the chemicals. So we did it all the old way, labor intensive, uh, by hand. We didn't have much machinery, but the machinery we did need, we um, obtained from a co-op. Uh, we all pitched in to um, to uh, um, get machinery and let's say a cider press and then we took turns using it. It was really awesome. My brother is three years younger than I and um, we didn't really, since he's a boy and I'm a girl, we, we were kind of, there was a division of labor <laughs> on the farm and we didn't really work with each other that much, but um, we played with each other. School? was a little difficult I would say because uh, we had to sit still at a desk not move um, be neat and in rows and I am an outdoor person I live outside so school was something that I didn't enjoy that much but certain subjects I liked in terms of uh, being able to read for example I liked reading I liked uh, writing so yeah, and sports. My parents are, how would I describe them? Um, old school, very traditional, and very traditional in their roles too, and um, also very grounded. They have never been outside of Germany. And I think my mom has been like to Northern Italy on a bus tour, but my dad has never been outside of Germany as far as I know. They were pretty strict, but my grandparents and great-grandmother lived in the same house. And so there's a lot of leeway there. Grandma was in her 80s when I was born and she had all the time in the world. She was basically retired. So I lived on her lap and she, um, she was a um, healer. She helped the people in the village because we didn't have medical care back then. Uh, we just started to have medical care. So a great grandma always helped everybody with physical, spiritual, mental ailments that they might have. She and my grandma taught me about herbs and herbalism and what to use for, for what ailment and also to respect nature. And I think if grandma were alive now she'd be um, a biologist because she knew what was going on. She knew which birds were nesting where, what animals were moving through. So they taught me a lot about nature and it wasn't uncommon to get up at the crack of dawn and go out to pick herbs. That was probably the hardest time of my life, mid school, high school, because I wasn't a child anymore, but I wasn't able to be independently me yet. So I guess that's a hard time for a lot of young people because we're still being molded in a society that hasn't, doesn't have space for all of us. That's just going one direction. And if you don't fit in that direction, then um, it's not a very easy life for you. Luckily it was, 
very easy for me to comply with what was asked of me in school and um, it wasn't very difficult to turn in my work and I also had nature all the time um, and school wasn't very long even high school was from 8 to 1 back then and maybe once a week I had to go in the afternoon so um, I could still be outside and do my work and work on the farm and turn in my work at, at school and uh, do well but I knew I was kind of writing it out the system wasn't made for me for people like me and I didn't fit in there so I went to school in Munich and got a degree in communicative disorders because I felt like we are, we are really there's a disorder in terms of us and nature and the animals and there wasn't there wasn't anything like that to be studied but I wanted to study communicative disorders in general to see where we were breaking down and then as soon as I graduated I think like a week or two later I came to this country my connection with nature and the animals has, been, has always been very very strong and if anything it's getting even stronger I am the outside earth that's how I see myself so when something is ailing the earth it's ailing me as well and if the animals are suffering or humans for that matter too because we are the human animal we are not any different from the other animals um, I feel it and um, nature has always been my my relative basically yeah and the animals as well I remember as a child in Germany growing up in Germany uh, post-world war two uh, they were killing all the foxes because they might carry rabies so I was even as a little child I knew where the foxes lived and I was there to protect them and I always said well as long as I'm here you can't kill them you can't do anything to them and nature is so innately wise and um, everything makes sense that she does and when they killed all these foxes one year because they could have carried rabies they never even checked um, the next year the females instead of having three to four pups they had 10 to 12 and if they had 12 then 10 of them would be female so within a year or two the population was back up because life wants to keep on living and where I grew up they had done a number on wildlife there were plaques in the forest saying last wolf killed here 1850 last bear killed here 1712 or whatever be as if people were proud of having annihilated a whole population and so I never liked that and growing up there was always something missing nothing was howling at night nothing was jumping fences everything was behind a fence or, or was being um, killed for being wild or carrying a disease so to speak so I always told my parents, as soon as I'm old enough, I'm going to live somewhere where there's wild animals and wilderness. And I did. And also, for some reason, I knew about the last uh, wild herds of animals that we had on this planet. And I would always tell my parents, who were farmers obviously, let's go and find the animals. Let's go find the buffalo. Let's go find the reindeer. And they would always say like, what do you mean? We don't have them anymore, you know, they don't exist anymore. And I'm like, shall we go to the zoo? And I'm like, no, 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 I want to see the wild ones. And that's why I came to this country 30 years ago in this November. <laughs> 
So my whole life I've been really connected and I've been communicating with all life, with the animals, nature, the trees. And my grandma was always very concerned about that because obviously like a few hundred years before, people like me wouldn't live very long because um, it was co uh, considered an abnormality to be like that. And so it was difficult because here I was as a child, always speaking the truth, always saying, we can't do this, it's hurting the animals. We can't cut down this tree because it's co he is or she is connected to all these other trees. We can maybe take out this one, but not this one. So grandma always tried to protect me from um, whatever reprimanding that was going on in society because it wasn't that far past uh, World War II where people were selectively um, hurt and harmed for being who they were and grandma was always afraid that I would get harmed for being who I am. But I never could stop because everything was always talking to me and I see myself as a bridge maker so I have to say what needs to be said because there's so many beings that don't have a voice, the animals, the trees. It was pretty magical because everything aligned for me. It was kind of like, go, this is your education. And I spent one year, a whole year, traveling around the US and Canada and looking for a home and the last wild places. And uh, it was quite amazing to see what we still have here as opposed to Europe where it's all cultural landscape. So it was fairly easy to come here, I would say, and because I was aligned with that wish. I had been aligned with that my whole life. I remember we didn't have a TV, but I did see a documentary about somebody living uh, somewhere in Canada in a cabin and there were bears and wolves and I thought, that's me, I'm gonna go. <laughs> became the apprentice and adopted daughter of a medicine woman in New Mexico and that was wonderful because for the first time in my life somebody understood me when I said you know I just talked to the coyotes and she's like yeah what did they say instead of oh that's so strange you know why can you can't you be normal she was like totally validating me from the get-go and uh, as it turned out there were I would I don't want to say like all native people are like that but she was you know I don't want to peg anybody here uh, but she was like that and she could totally understand that and uh, she was totally right for me the second day I was in New Mexico <laughs> it was fate I would say yeah mm -hmm. and especially for feast day she would take me to all the um, ceremonies or feast days that she could that that it was kosher to take me to a be me being a non-tribal member yeah that was really beautiful and it wasn't so much that she taught me anything but she brought out what was already in me and I really want to stress that you know because there's so much cultural co-opting going on and that's really not what it's all about you know, in my case, it was more like there was somebody who saw what was in me, brought it out, validated it and made it right instead of wrong. That was all, you know, I never tried to be um, native or whatever, <laughs> just tried to be me. <laughs> I 
worked with children on taking care of the, the earth, um, recycling, <laughs> whatever we could do, you know, to, to tread lightly and to forge a relationship, a forge is not, uh, build a relationship is better, with, uh, with nature and all of our other relations. And uh, it became very clear to me when there, there was talk about reintroducing the Mexican gray wolves into New Mexico that I had to be a part of it. And because I had been backpacking in those mountains and again, they were missing the howl because they had killed the last ones, I think, gosh, in the 40s maybe, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be a part of the return of the animals and our coexistence with the animals. And that's very, very important for me because we're still so into the old stories of separation and fear. And I'm all about coexistence and love and gratitude. Right now, as a society, we are very visual. And I decided to do something for the wolves, with the wolves for their return. And I was wondering what I could do. And I thought, well, a documentary would be wonderful because I'd been working in film some at that time. And um, I was thinking this would be a great way to get it across. And I started doing a documentary about the return of our um, Mexican gray wolves called Stories of Wolves, The Lobo Returns. And I've been showing it in schools. And I've been taking it to Europe. There's a German version of it because all these stories of the big bad wolf really come from Europe and I always think thought that it started there it has to end there not to say that other um, that other uh, parts of our human community haven't been doing a number on the wild animals but the whole extermination campaign idea of let's kill every single last wolf every single last bison that came more from Europe I would say so I started I, on a second documentary that got uh, completed the end of last year, Bison Nation, Walking Sacred Sites. And I'm taking that one now about our last wild bison in the Northern Hemisphere. And I don't know if you knew, but they weren't just in North America, but they were all over the Northern Hemisphere, all over Europe, from the British Isles all the way to Siberia. And um, I wouldn't be here without the bison either. My ancestors depended on them as well. And so I'm taking that film to Europe in a few days to uh, be screened at film festivals and also in the larger community because the bison are coming back to Europe. They're being reintroduced in certain parts and we had an incident last week where um, for the first time in 200 years, a wild, bison called a Vicent in Germany crossed the border from Poland into Germany and immediately got shot because the fears are still prevalent. So I think it's quite timely that I'm going because I want to <laughs> debunk all these myths. There is a way to coexist and our ancestors have done it and so can we. Out in the field uh, a lot and uh, more so even with the bison. It was amazing because here I was in my tent out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and exposed to the elements just like the animals, just like the bison. And it really, really gave me 
an even deeper insight in the intricate interrelatedness of all life forms. To give an example, I was camped out in the middle of the prairie during a thunderstorm, not just once but several times, and uh, to be so exposed to the elements is amazing. And also to see what thunder and lightning bring to the earth and how everything reaches up to greet them is wonderful and why would we be afraid of them I'm asking myself so um, I've spent probably half of every year I've been migrating with them in a tent out in the prairie and on the reservation so. the animals are so intact if we let them it's amazing how they um, care for each other basically because they know they don't have an ego and they know that uh, it's not enough if one species survives, you know. It's a care for the whole. Even though they eat each other sometimes, you know, but even that is an act of love. If a wolf takes down an animal, it's an old, sick, or weak one. That one has to go so that the herd can keep running strong and healthy. In the absence of wolves, when we have trophy hunters taking out elk and deer, they take out the strongest ones and they are making the herds weak and sick. And then what we have is geranium eaters, I call them, you know, or also welfare deer that, that are looking for handouts in the human communities and are eating everything in the gardens and are not used to being out there anymore in the wild and are being sickly and being run over by cars when they're crossing the road. So we are really interfering with the balance of life. And once all the players are in, then we have this intricate, really loving system. And what I've learned is it's not that cruel if a wolf takes out an elk or a deer. It's actually an act of love because they did these studies in uh, Yellowstone National Park where they looked at the bone marrow of all the animals that the wolves had taken down and they were all sick. They all had something going on. So there is a reason. We can't see it. But um, they, need to take, they, they need to do this job. Not being our pets, not being in a zoo, not being in a park. A wolf is only a wolf out on the mountain. It's not about us wanting one animal but not the other, living in the binary system of cow or wolf, weed or vegetable. No. All the players in the ecosystem have, uh, have meaning, have purpose, and need to be there. And it's the same with us humans. We are doing it, it to each other as well. We say, oh, I don't like you. You are not the right color or religion, or you have a different opinion from mine. But it's not true. We all, um, we all are players on this earth. And we all have our role to play for the health of the ecosystem. So it's very important to see that and not just take out what we don't like. There's different ways to communicate and there's not just one way. You know, some people communicate with nature and the animals. Some people have an inner knowing, other people have a visual, other people hear something. Um, so it depends and it's something that's our birthright. We can all hone these skills. But we need to be clear in our mind, you know, if we are going around with earphones in nature or um, 
with some high-speed device, we most likely won't hear anything, you know, because um, we really need to have a clear mind for it to come in and want to communicate. So often I have a sense of an animal being there before I even see it and I try to tune in, you know, if it's like a bear, is there a kill on the path or uh, do they need to be alone right now or is it okay if I move through? And every time I go on a trail, I ask for permission and I tell them who I am. And a good way to do this is to send visuals because you can't just speak in English or German because then they would have to translate it. So if you want to send them a message, do it in visuals, but do it from your heart um, without expecting anything back. And then trust what comes first and don't second guess because the thing is we have been taught that this is not possible this is strange we have annihilated that faculty in us or not annihilated but plugged it up and uh, it's time now for us to reclaim these gifts and not all of us will do it but I think an increasing number of us will go back to that way of communicating and then we will know what nature needs and what the animals need and not just what humans need because we have lived from a, a human-centric um, point of view and way for a long time but it's enough now it hasn't made us happy and has depleted the earth and we are losing a lot of species and so it's time now to come from a care for the whole and I think it starts with caring for ourselves because often we are so disconnected from ourselves and we don't care for ourselves. We force ourselves, we don't listen to our bodies. That comes first. And then I feel like those um, other faculties are just moving in afterwards so, or with it. Mm -hmm. But it's important that we do for ourselves what we do for nature. I feel like I'm not just one player, I'm part of a big puzzle and uh, I would like to meet more of the pieces of that puzzle. There's a, an increasing number of really gifted, already spiritually um, open, heart-centered people and they are not being recognized by our society yet. But I want to say keep going. Stand on our shoulders, you are needed, we need you here on this planet, be who you are. Don't go down the wrong path and get sick. Follow your heart and know who you are and do what you need to do.